Welcome back. I'm Scott Shantz filling in for Jill Bennett this week. And my guest now, Colleen Hardwick. She's a former mayoral candidate and former member of the Development Permit Board Advisory Panel at City Hall. And we're speaking because I want I want some help understanding there's a social housing project happening in Kitsilano. It's at Arbutus and 7th and 8th, and it's been approved despite opposition. Uh, Colleen, can you explain both sides of this to me and sort of give us an, an understanding of uh, what the idea here is and what the controversy is around it? Sure. Hi, Scott. Um, one thing you forgot in, in my description was that I did spend the last four years on city council in Vancouver, and I did, in fact, vote against uh, this uh, particular uh, application okay. at that time. And, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons. But I think if you were to, to break it down in a nutshell, um, there's three problems with it. One is the congregate concept, which is we're going to create a bunch of single occupancy units, 129 of them in a 13-story high-rise um, of predominantly people that are have been homeless or are dealing with mental health and addiction issues. And this particular concept has been criticized because it's like saying, I want to quit smoking. I'm going to move into a smoking-only building where they have, you know, smoking-only rooms and we'll give you free cigarettes and, right. and think you're going to quit smoking. So there's questions about the, the congregate concept uh, in and of itself. But that's number one. Number two is the urban design, putting a 13-story building, which is being built out of modular housing in a new form. Uh, right Again, this is right across the street from St. Augustine's Elementary School and just down from the uh, Delmont Park, which is prim- primarily for toddlers. So you're putting in um, a, a congregative housing in 13 stories in what is really a mixed neighborhood. Um, in terms of the built form, they could have just as easily put in, say, up to six stories and accommodated it. But it's very specific, this high-rise modular housing, and this ties back to a company that's building it called Nexi, which just happens to have former Mayor Gregor Robertson as an executive. So it's the form of development. And then finally, the fact that the, the local you know, community has been completely ignored. Uh, people have been coming out and saying, you know, we're not against social housing. We're against this height this particular form of of housing, this particular congregative form of housing, because there's lots, there's a whole spectrum of of social or supportive housing. You know, um, there's a lot in the area of of women and children that are escaping domestic abuse or in recovery, for example, that could have been equally as easily accommodated in in housing that was more of a ground-oriented architecture style. So there were alternatives, but none of them were even looked at because, as I know from my experience beyond council, the deal was made well in advance. The the city had shopped around a list of city-owned property that they were open to developing uh, with the nonprofit housing sector. And they entered into an agreement or MOU with uh, BC Housing right off the top and the idea was always to put in congregate housing using this particular form of high-rise modular housing which had just been introduced by this 
company Nexi that had you know projected itself or, or as a unicorn in the market again with uh, former mayor Gregor Robertson as an executive. So the business deal was already made, and uh, I think it was pretty clear that uh, they weren't interested in listening to the community about it. So what what should be there instead? What does the community want there instead of this? Well, if you look at the property and you look at its location, you could accommodate the same um, number of occupants in in what I'm suggesting up to six stories, which is considered ground-oriented architecture. Um, but it wouldn't involve this particular high-rise modular deal, which is what I'm saying the, the, the deal had already been made. So um, more ground-oriented architecture, and in terms of the the, the, the uh, supported housing that type that would be there, I'm suggesting, and the community has suggested, that it would be much more suitable to um, especially families, uh, women, children. Um, there is already supportive housing in the area in a smaller area for, again, women escaping domestic abuse, recovery centers and things of that nature. So again, you could accommodate the same number of people, maybe in a different composition, but still seeking um, supportive housing in a a more sensitive built form of ground-oriented architecture instead of high-rise. Okay. So what, like... Is the biggest issue the height or the like the way that the place is being built with these sort of single like single room single occupant type places what what's the biggest concern to the community there well the congregative housing um, is a problem because again you're going to be bringing in uh, it contemplates SRO housing, if you know what that, that uh, single yeah, room yeah. occupancy. And so the folks that would stay there would, would be largely um, unhoused, which is what the term now is for homeless, and largely with mental health and addiction issues. Now, if you drive down Arbutus and look at the the area there right between just north of, of Broadway, you'll see it's just it's like 16 meters across the street from a, an elementary school. And it's just as a location for that particular choice, again, on a spectrum of types of, of supportive housing is it's like putting a big middle finger up to the community by creating, by potentially bringing in the kinds of conflict that would surround it. And you only have to look at the Marguerite Ford or some of the other uh, housing that, and the impact that it's had on the immediate surrounding neighborhood. So it's a combination of things. It's not listening to the people in the neighborhood who said yes to, um, to supportive housing, but in a different form. It's um, the, the congregative housing and the type of housing. So, again, you can choose looking at the land to go up 13 stories in this particular modular housing. And I do come back to that because there is a business deal that took place around that particular housing form that was a foregone conclusion versus building, um, as I said, up to six stories of what's considered ground-oriented architecture that right. is less less obstructive so, of things like shadow, yeah. um, setbacks, et cetera. Is, is the hope to get them to t- walk this back and, and, you know, come up with some different solutions that people are more okay with? 
Well, that had been the hope. And again, 94% 94 of the people that uh, wrote to council, um, and there were a lot, uh, said basically what I've just told you is that we're that uh, we support we are we're in support of supportive housing in the community we've already got it but we'd like to to, to be to scale and not bringing in um, you know as disruptive a form sure yeah so it I- passed in it passed in public hearing yesterday's meeting was just with the development permit board and the development permit board which I used to sit on up until 2008 it's its job to adjudicate and look at the physical form, but everything that was discussed, the impact of shadowing, casting shadows on the schoolyards and the playgrounds and the the parks across the street were ignored. All those things were ignored. Yeah, so and it, so there was no appetite because the deal was already made. I, and for sure, and that that sours it. The fact that the deal was already made, and I understand that there is this like, hey, we should have supportive housing, just not supportive housing like this. But I suppose mm-hmm. the other side of the argument is like we like we need to come up with something supportive housing. And I get that the the agreement is there and this is in place now. Do we delay a project like this uh, that could potentially improve a lot of people's lives at some cost? I understand the shadows and the sight lines and all that type of stuff. But I suppose my question is, like, are there other examples of, like you mentioned, Marguerite Ford, um, of buildings in the city and have they negatively affected playgrounds, parks, those type of um, places? Because my, my understanding is that there are lots and lots of communities like this sort of scattered throughout the city. And lo- oftentimes we don't even know that they're there because they run well, so that's smooth. The point. That's the point is because you're, you're going to know this is there because it's a big 13 story sure. right in the middle of things. Um, congregative housing in and of itself is the problem. It's been demonstrated time and time again. If people are looking to uh, to recovery or to reintegration, you want to take a more distributed approach to your, your housing. And in fact, that already exists throughout Kitsilano as an example. Sure. But this is like pulling it all and putting it in one place. And when those examples have happened, you can look at Marguerite Ford as an example, but this is not just here. It's, it's wherever there have been examples where you've been pulling a bunch of people that all are sharing with the same problems. A lot of it's drug addiction. A lot of it's saying that we're going to put, um, you know, a place where you can do drugs right in the building. Right. Right across the street. With, and then they'll say, oh, well, staff are going to supervise it. In my experience and everything that I looked at and all of the examples, and especially was when I was on council, was there were no examples where this was working as a form, okay. housing form or congregative housing. 